Welcome back. Uh, another episode of the Dead Kids of Derry be in front of you, in your ear sockets right now. Um, today's film, Kuja, Kuja Kildow. We have Mr. James Lamond with us. Oh, Anthony, oh, 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 oh. Anthony Thurbs. Hello. Billy Coyne. What up? And Alexander Hawk. Well, I like that. So Cujo's with us. He's on the screen killing it. What a beautiful logo that is. Took it right it from is. the book. Right off the cover. Right off the cover. Yeah. You know, directed by Louis Teague, I believe. He came into the production, like, uh, after it started shooting, they had to replace the original director, I heard, yep. which was unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah, but Teague had a good track record already, I think, yeah. with coming off the heels I can't remember if Cat's Eye was right before or right after, because that was another King adaptation. Right after. Right after. Oh, right after. Yeah. Well, Teague did something yeah. else right before this that was a horror uh, creature flick. Well, he I did think. Alligator. Alligator. That's what it was. It escaped me for a moment. Yeah. I think that's John what got Hale. him the job. That's what got him Cujo. In the yeah, first yeah. King went the bad for him. Yeah. They probably said, well, if you can direct a small alligator on big sets, let's give you a dog to work with basically playing jaws <laughs> uh, well i mean you're following uh, half the movies following around a dog you gotta have you gotta figure out you want to get something that can handle like an animal movie so to speak you know yeah. what i mean well, well yeah, yeah it's, it's kind of that eco horror you know that the animal it's a you different know, kind of horror yeah, you know, it, it said that the, uh, the hardest people to work on the set are kids, little kids, and and uh, dogs and, and animals. So I've known, I've known a few more difficult things to work with on set. <laughs> no <laughs> fucking <laughs> comment. What can you do? What can you do? On. <laughs> kids oh are hard. I can say that. I can say that with some certainty. I've, I've worked with a couple of kids now. Kids yeah. are hard bag to work with. That's That's tough. Um, yeah. No animals yet. But. Teenagers are trouble. Teenagers yeah. are more trouble than, than regular kids because the other kids are, yeah, I guess it depends on the age of the kid. But we, we, I, I think if the kid is like, I've worked with a lot of great kids over yeah. the years. And especially like before the age of 10, there's a great, I think, you know, there, there is patience there. I think when it comes to, you know, early teenagers to kind of mid teenagers, there's kind of that antsiness. So I think there are periods of when it comes to working with child actors, you know, certain ages will inevitably work better than other ages. Mm. I mean, my, one of my best actresses um, was 11 years old, which was Tegan Mandel in the box. She was fantastic. She was great. You know? uh, I got her autograph. You got her autograph. That's right. I, I, think, I have a big. I have a poster signed by the whole cast. Yeah, very fancy. I think very you have fun. one of. I, really a, I think you have one of very few. 
that actually has all of our signatures on it. I've been killing off the other people that have them, so it's <laughs> <laughs> getting rarer and rarer. But yeah, no, kids kids can be tough. Kids yeah. can be tough. Tegan yeah. actually had to come in and replace somebody that had a harder time. So there's that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it could be tough. They really gotta they really gotta want it. A lot of the times you see kids, it's usually their parent want them to be an actor or whatever. So oh, like yeah. when that's the case, it ain't that's where the trouble comes in, I think. And then you get a side seat director to boot. Yeah. So. Mm. You know? Sorry, just reality. <laughs> <laughs> Whose TV is this? This TV? Yeah, that we're watching. Well, that's, uh, I don't know, that's your TV, Bill. <laughs> well, yeah. We don't talk about the TV. Yeah, hey, you brought the movie there to talk back to the screen. Dude, I had no idea I was coming into a podcast commentary. I don't know what the hell I'm doing here. I I'm, just glad be, I'm just glad to be here. I'm just glad <laughs> to get out of the house. In a way. Per, per, per <laughs> se. Get out of the house. Get out of the house per se. Per se. Okay. Um, emotionally out of the house. I agree, yeah, I'm with that. I feel that. This film's got a lot of emotion in it, mainly fear. Yeah. Oh, that, that's a lot of it. Yeah. You know, I, I think we talked a little bit about alcohol. Alcohol was pretty heavy at this time in the career. Um, you know, I think that what they, they tried to do what Jaws did with sharks with dogs with this movie, I feel. They really did. They really did. And I don't, I mean, not for nothing, I don't think it quite hit the same mark. No. <laughs> you're, you don't want to deal with the big jaw, dog like this, of course, but it's not going to make you like, Jaws kept people out of the water. This isn't going to keep people in their houses. Maybe Bill. Well, I think the best one that kind of was unequivalent with Jaws was Grizzly. Yeah. Um, Grizzly was awesome. Yeah. Grizzly was awesome. I mean, to me, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I mean, I, I tried watching this last night and I just don't remember it being as good as I remember when I saw it when I was younger. I'm not saying it's not aging well, but it's just, I think it was a great film of its time. Well, the cat, you and I don't, I don't know if it's because we've become so anesthetized with so much more science fiction horror down our throats than looking back at this. But you well, know. I, I think, I think the big thing is honestly, I mean, I remember watching uh, Cujo when it was uh, a lot younger and you know, closer to the age of the uh, the uh, kid in the story, and I think right. that the big thing for this, it works on a kind of psychological level of you know, if you're closer to that age, I mean, I I think that's where the horror comes from, especially if you're a kid and yet have a pet that you love, and all of a sudden that pet, you know, becomes you know violent and and you know aggressive. I mean, yeah, I agree. With I, that relatable, I, the relatable age thing's big. I think. Yeah, you I think. That I think that that's one. why you know. I mean, when we're uh, younger and and we first watched this, we related and you know felt more of the fear and all that because, I mean, you can you know grow up and and be older and kind of look like well you know I could easily handle this differently or take care of the situation, but if you were younger and you put your mindset in in the mindset of this young kid. I think that's where the fear really comes from. Well, I think we're kind of all in the same age bracket where, you know, we were probably maybe between 8 and 12 years old yeah. when we maybe first saw this, where, yeah, we did identify with the kid. 
And, um, but, you know, just looking at like Dee Wallace, I mean, she just gets so much into her roles on an emotional level where sometimes it's difficult for her to parlay when they say cut. And that's fine because, you know, she is a good actress, very good, but she, but she takes up acting on a personal level. And that's what I like about Dee Wallace as an actress. I mean, she's a very intense, internalizing um, with her roles. And, yeah. you know, I, I think she's a very, I mean, she was the mom in E.T., so Spielberg, you know, knew something, you know, right away. And, you know, Howling. A howling film. She dealt with other big, big furry animals trying to kill her off. I mean, she's horror royalty, and there's good reason for that. Oh, for sure. Yeah, this film definitely proves that point that she's our royalty. Critters, another one playing. Oh, them. yeah, dude. Critters would call, all day. Would you call young Tad Trenton the prince of horror? No. Danny Pinotaro, my boy, from Who's the Boss? Jonathan from Who's the Boss? Mm. I think that's the only thing. It's the only other thing he did, I believe. That is the only other thing he did. <laughs> <laughs> He was yeah, typecasted. No. He was typecasted. Free him from his restraints of who's the boss. What? A tiny child with a bowl cut? That was yeah, his yeah. typecasting? <laughs> he, he looks the same. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mean, especially the first half of this movie, it's just... I think I think that's part of the, the factor of, like, the disconnect, too. Yeah. Is that these days... And I'm, I mean, I'm guilty of it too. Like you, you want you want those fast scenes, you want those short cuts, you want those boom, 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 boom. You want you want story, 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 story. This thing, this thing's like a real slow crawl build up, and it's it's a it's a very much a product of its time because you don't really get a film that plays out this way anymore. Yeah, you know and, and you have character development as well going on. So mm-hmm. you know, they're establishing. I mean, King writes really lengthy characters, so. It's like with a film, you have to be able to say it fast. So, you know, it's a completely different language, basically adapting his books to any form of media because, you know, these, and thankfully he gets really good actors, you know, in his movies. Yeah. He, he lucks out. He, he's, he's gotten very lucky um, over his career with his adaptations as like the casts that portray them. Um, overall, I mean, like the, throughout this Dead Kids Odyssey, we've seen some really fantastic fucking, you know what I mean? Like some great directors behind the camera. Yeah, awesome, yeah. awesome casts. I mean, just just like King is made as much by the people that he has helped make. If that makes sense, like yeah, well, I, mean, I, I, I forgot it was John Singleton that did uh, Graveyard. Rest in peace. Yeah, yeah. Rest in peace. He died last John year. F- Boys in the motherfucking hood, John Singleton, did Graveyard Shift. Great film. Great film. Fantastic. Both of them. Both of them are fantastic. Films. Yeah. Great filmmaker. The tennis man over here. Now, yeah. there was there was scenes cut out of this film where uh, D. Wallace's character, Mrs. Trenton, had an affair on her husband with the tennis buddy. But they took it. They pulled that out because they wanted to be a little more likable. Yep. Yeah, but even though you get a little hints of it in the film, yeah, they don't want yeah, to do, too crazy. Yeah, the, you know it's actually interesting because in the book, like 
this the whole book's like real fucking bleak. Like there's not a whole lot of likable characters outside of the kid and the dog before the dog goes fucking psycho. Um like the mom, D. Wallace's character is is for lack of a better word, a cunt. And she's also an infidelitous cunt. So, you know, yeah. So they really had to kind of warm her up because they made her like such a focal point in the uh, film. You can see that it's almost like there is a weird uh, pull between the director and actress because she does have that role. I almost would have played out better if she had more of like a Adrian Barbeau from Creep Show, not quite a, a good mother, kind of a rough mother, and then the only. You know, the kid was the only good character. I would probably would have liked that a little bit more. I mean, that's really how the book plays out. Like, almost everybody everybody in the book's a fucking asshole. Right. So, like, you don't feel particularly terribly terrible about them getting fucking mauled by this thing. And, yeah, she's one of them, too. I mean, she's not even, like, a really, like, a focal point of the book. It's really the kid and the dog. Yeah that are, you know, it's that whole dynamic there. And that's, I mean, everybody else is just kind of playing on the side. They really kind of like bumped her up and polished her and buffed her off as a character before they put her into the movie. Uh, They probably, I mean, the real question I would have is, I don't know if any of you guys know this, um, when they decided D. Wallace was going to play the mother, because, I mean, the the casting of D. Wallace, I uh, I would assume is one of the main reasons why they buffed off the character. And because, I mean, I mean, when, when, when you uh, cast someone like D Wallace, he has such a motherly equality. That's why, you know, see, you know, plays so many, you know, classic mothers. I mean, if you got like someone else, like, uh, uh, to, to play that role, then you could very easily go into how the book had it. Mm. But no, you- yeah, the, the question I would have is, like, whether they decided to have, like, D. Wallace at the very beginning and then change the character for D. Wallace or whether they already thought, okay, we're going to go in a different way with this character from the book and they decide then to cast D. Wallace to go in that direction. I mean, that's an interesting thing. My My guess would be that they had decided ahead of time to kind of modify the character and then they cast to that only because they really like, even if you like, even with the scenes like taken out of the affair and all that stuff, like her dialogues a lot softer in, in, in the script compared to the book. Um, she's a much more loving mother all around. Like, even if you had like Adrian Barbeau in there, kind of being a little bit of a more of an asshole about it. Yeah. Like it still would have been like, Hey, it would have had to kind of have a different angle put to it, to the writing yeah. from the first place. Yeah. So I think from the, from the, from the jump, they kind of decided to soften her up a bit, even before they decided to completely make her like a heroine. Yeah, I agree. ET came out the year before this. So she was definitely riding the success wave of that. That's probably, they said, we'll get her. She was just in that huge movie. Because E.T., I mean, Cujo does, doesn't compare up to E.T. in any way, you know what I mean, budget-wise or anything. Like, when she did Cujo, she knew she was doing, you know, she was going back. She was taking a step back, so to speak, you know what I mean? Um, so I think I'm guessing she still caught a big payday for it, though. Oh, I'm sure. But, yeah, she's like the showcase star. And then they got the TV star, who they thought the kid was going to probably be a big star at the time, you know what I mean? 
But I yeah. think you guys are correct. You you guys are dead on with I think that, uh, especially knowing ET was right before it. Yeah, they probably said, "Let's pick our stars." Grabbed her, and even you know, maybe she can't. Maybe she couldn't play too wicked. You know. What I mean? And Pujo came out August 13th, 1983. Yeah. On the same day, Easy Money also came out, as well as Mr. Mom. Hey, they gave my box office no respect. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... I guess Rodney just turned 100. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. He was still picking If I was if I was a thirteen year old on that weekend, I I, I probably would have gone to see Mr. Mom, but that's just me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dabney Coleman, man. No, I'm sorry, Martin Mom, but you know, back then you would always, you know, mm-hmm. get that mixed up. Yeah. Oh no, they they were right on top of each other. And I would always have fucked them up myself. But no, I was a Michael Keaton fan from a very young oh, age. So I love I love Keaton's Batman. Yeah, I'm so happy that Michael Keaton is kind of coming back to us. Seriously, yeah, though. Sure. His revival's been fucking awesome. Yeah, it has. Uh, I mean, and, and what, what I love is that it's not just, of course, I mean, the big thing is, of course, with the superhero movies, but he has at least, like, three or four, like, dramatic, you know, like, based on real-life stories that he plays characters that, that are coming out, you know, Soon, so you know. Did you guys see the Founder? Yeah. Oh yeah. When we played Ray Kroc. Holy shit, was that movie good? Yeah. Holy shit, was that movie good? Birdman was big for him. Birdman was awesome. Birdman was awesome. You know, speaking of bats, he got Kujo got bit by a bat. Now he's got a facial facial wound. Poor guy. Got the rabies. He's the rabies. So that's how it gets is, the rabies. Is this or, a weird fucking allegory for COVID? Like, were they telling the uh, future? <laughs> James, we're on the same. I was just about to say that we're on the same wavelength. Oh my god! <laughs> Hawk said a few things I was going to say too. We're like really all fucking gelling. <laughs> I love it. Well, it's funny we were talking about Michael Keaton and he yeah. gets attacked by a bat. So there's I the know. Batman connection there. <laughs> it's classic. Heck yeah, yeah. Rabies is a, I mean, around this time, that was a huge deal. People were way afraid of rabies. It's still prevalent. Family pets, you know, like Lyme disease. You know, during certain times of the year, especially us being New Englanders, they've had strains of Lyme disease that have even killed. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you don't, yeah, if you don't figure it out, you get really fucked up by it too. But that's the interesting thing about infection. Yeah. And what it can do from one species to another species, where even if it is something like rabies, the way it can affect a human, you know, I mean, evidently, of course, it will kill you both, but how it goes about its course, you know. Rest in peace, rabies from Warzone. <laughs> I <laughs> thought James might get that one. <laughs> the, um,. <laughs> <laughs> sorry Bill sorry Bill what were you saying I got gotcha. you I was well looking at your yeah, pants I like those pants those are classy I like those, those creep show they're like you're, yeah, you're an episode too late <laughs> but 
Yeah, we did. We just, that was we last just did the creep show. Yeah, we just did the creep show. You were here in spirit, though, Billy Boy. Yeah. Look at these signs. They're so plain. That go- brings you right back to the old days. No logos. Merchandising was a different animal in the 80s, man. And if you really think about merchandising in the 80s, the big one that really poked the joke first was Return of the Killer Tomatoes with George Clooney. And that scene alone <laughs> became almost like a common staple, but that was almost shined upon. But the way yeah. it was brilliant. I mean, it was like, you've seen that joke so many countless times since then. But, you yeah. know, and I was going to say Joe D'Amato, but John, it's actually John DeBello who did that series that I think, I mean, I think Killer Tomatoes is a really fucking fun series, no matter how you cut it. You can't say it's a horrible movie. It's no, they're, they're intentionally bad. They're it's, fun. They're, they're, they're so fun. much fun. That's but one of those know, franchises a lot of people try to steal, too. Wasn't there, like, recently somebody trying to make a new one? Yeah. Yeah, I can mention a name, but I'm 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 not going to. They gotta pay to get their main name mentioned. It's because it's a, it's like Night of the Living Dead, man. Everybody <laughs> and their moms tried to cash it's in. One of those that things, shit. too. Yeah. Uh, I was so actually, angry actually, when I heard actually, about that I game heard, Actually, I heard that they're going to do a uh, re envisioning of it. It's going to be Attack of the Killer Potatoes. It'll oh. take place in Idaho. <laughs> oh, you're crazy! Oh, you animal! I, I think there's it. three Killer Tomato movies all together, right? Yeah, Last four. One's France. Oh, there's four. It's four France four. or uh, something else. It's not gonna kill our tomatoes. Return of the killer tomatoes. Um, return no the t- tomato strike again, mm. and then uh, the tomatoes take France. Our that's body. it. Okay, yeah, that's part four. All right. Also, also you have to remember in the eighties they had the the cartoon series. Yeah, I yeah. Like, yeah. yeah so I was going to mention was that the, one too. It was like a classic Avenger as well because you had Toss of Crusaders, yeah. you know, at that same time too. I still, I still find it incredibly wild that there's there there's a cartoon based on a trauma movie out there. Yeah. But, <laughs> I didn't know about that. No, no, no. What's Saturday amazing? Morning. What's amazing is the fact that it was geared towards kids. That's what's amazing. Yeah. No, that's even more <laughs> mind boggling. I had yeah. the Toxic Crusaders fucking toys when I was yeah. a kid. It's just like that was my Friday. introduction. That was my introduction to trauma. Was Toxic Crusaders, and then I was like- in the video <laughs> store one day, and I went, "Holy shit, that's the Toxic fucking Avenger." Yeah. There's a movie, and then I watched it. I was like, "Uh, wow, <laughs> <laughs> I was not supposed to see this." <laughs> it's so funny because I mean, I mean, next year I'm turning forty, and one thing I realized is. My actual introduction to the Ghostbusters was the animated series before the film itself. Mm-hmm. So it's like I watched the series for like maybe one year, maybe two years. Then I saw the first movie. Yeah. And then it was only a few years later to see the second one. So it's kind of interesting how there are all these different offshoots of these franchises when people get introduced at them at certain times because they'll always have a definitive version of what they think. You know, even though the Ben so many different incarnations of certain franchises, you know, like with Ghostbusters, where this new one, this newest one, the first two, the one that was made a few years ago, and all these different animated series. So it's interesting how these franchises, you know, branch out and people discover things at certain times. Yeah. It's 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 wild. I I, I would to get more back on the topic, I, I I've always wondered what what Stephen King book could be turned into a cartoon. <laughs> what Shining. could they offshoot? Like, 
The Shining, the cartoon. Huh? The Shining in a cartoon. Yeah, that'd be cool. In the animated, like dark, gritty. Because you could have the you, should, you can show all the ghouls standing there. They don't have to do anything, and they're not. They're, it's not quite as bad as them, you know, murder and stuff. Fair, sure, we'll go with that. I suppose. Shining you know, cartoon. I want to see a part, part mini animated series of it. That'd yeah, be interesting. That'd be a cool like. Not for kids animated movie. Though. That's what I'm talking about. Not for kids, yeah. but like if it was animated, More. eight episodes, I think is a good number. You know, for any streaming give platform, it, give it like the late night HBO Spawn treatment. Absolutely, <laughs> they that kind of animated. Oh, dude, that mm. the Spawn cartoon is fucking amazing. I love, I love that. I love McFarlane. So work, so good, so fucking good. So many amazing artists that also work with them. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Is that the Evil Dead car? That looked a whole lot like the Evil Dead car, didn't it? Yeah. Was, no, it's it it nothing like it. It's a different it's color a, altogether. No, no, the yellow one, not the red. No, one. they passed it. They passed it. The one that she drove. She yeah. drove. D. Wallace pulled up in a yellow car that looked like the Evil Dead car. Yeah, it looked like it looked like the fucking Ashes Buick Skylark. Man. And I only totally. bring it up because this is a time when the filmmakers were going back and forth doing those little nods to each other. So I mean, it's possible. It's possible. You know, Wes Craven and Sam Raimi did it to each other with the glove yeah. and the Evil Dead poster. Yeah, it's possible they could throw a car in there. Well, I mean, Raimi did it. Sean Cunningham did it too in fucking uh, yeah. Final Friday. Yes. No, fucking Jason goes to hell though. I haven't seen that in so long. I enjoy it. And for a lot of people that don't like it, I enjoy it. No, I enjoy it. I I just haven't watched it in forever. I have the box set from Scream Factory, but I haven't even cracked into that thing yet. Jesus. Oh, man. You're in for a treat when you finally do. It's so good. It's so good. Best best fucking thing I bought last year, hands down. Wasn't, I think that I think they premiered that like right at like Easter last year. It was like right at one of the holidays they announced it, and mm-hmm. I remember that was God, that there was a lot of secret secrecy behind that. It seems like because no one knew, and when they announced that, everybody and their mother wanted to get a copy of that box set. Anthony's got, got some fun facts for us. Yeah, seeing his face. Yeah, <laughs> the got- film was shot in Mendocino, California. The same like play, same area where Gary Sherman's Dead and Buried was shot. Okay. Shout mm-hmm. out Gary Sherman. Fuck yeah. Dead and Buried. So, so we're back to sunny California, man. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> oh my God. It happened again. <laughs> the end. Yes, we're back to sunny California, man. <laughs> All right. Wait, let me catch coin up. So when we did the Salem's Law episode... I was lamenting on the fact that, like, absolutely none of the exterior locations look at all like fucking Maine. It absolutely <laughs> all looks like Southern California. Yeah. Like, it's very fucking obvious that it's not in Maine for anybody that's from New England that knows what mm-hmm. Maine looks like. So we just started to call it Sunny California, Maine. And that's exactly <laughs> where we are again. <laughs> We're in Sunny California, Maine, Maine. Cujo. Yeah, when they drive from Bangor to Bodega Bay in less than... Two minutes, apparently. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like the, you know, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna go from uh, Portland down the coast to Santa Monica, like <laughs> that kind of thing. You know, yeah. it's fine, it's fine. To the rest of the world, 
Sure, this is fucking mean. Why not? I mean, it's so funny because it, it is beautiful up there. I mean, that's kind of like up by the Bay Area, kind of, sort of, like where, where Half Moon Bay is, yeah. Bodega Bay, where the birds were shot, which was uh, uh, the, the town that apparently for the Puppet Master series was in. Bodega yeah, Bay. yeah, no, same that that cliffside. It's got that cliffside, seaside look. Like, yeah, like, but it's, like, it's so the, funny the, because here on the East Coast, we have, we don't have many places that have that, like that real jagginess that they have on the West Coast. But it's so beautiful how it looks on the West Coast. It's very haunting. But on the East Coast, when we look at our cliffs, they're a little more rounded. There's you know a little more grass that we see. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's the it's. I mean, not to get too science nerdy about it, yeah. but it's the rock structure. We have a lot of oh. granite around here. Granite erodes very evenly, so it gets nice and smooth. They don't have granite out there. A lot of mar- They have a lot of marble. They have a lot of sandstone. That stuff when it erodes, it cracks apart. So they get that that really rough hewn, jaggedy, nasty look to it. Whereas we get some nice smooth shit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's very, they're both beautiful, you know, but there's a real haunting aesthetic to the the West Coast stuff because it's just how jaggy it is. It's it's, it's cool, you know. The dog's haunting. Cujo's haunting, Bill. Cujo is haunting. Now, the gradual, like the way the face falls apart and gets all slimed out, I I do appreciate that because it does actually add to the creep factor and it does kind of make him more horrifying as it goes on. Mm -hmm. I I agree. all the, the foam in the, in the mouth, they had a concoction of egg whites and sugar uh, to do it. You know, it's not all just, uh, you know, it looks so uncomfortable. Like, all that slime and shit. Whenever I see a dog with the fucking slime hanging all out of its mouth, it's like, God damn, get yourself a towel, brother. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Five St. Bernards on this movie shoot. You know what I mean? Five. Yeah. Plus five. A, five plus a mechanical head. And a person in a dog suit, which we've probably all seen pictures of the dude in the dog suit floating around. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of Beethoven's, man. That's all yeah, I'm saying. A lot of Beethoven. Roll over Beethoven. Roll over Beethoven. This lady is very concerned, and he is concerned with that meal. He's very yeah, concerned with that The actor is Ed Lauer. Yeah, Ed Lauer? He plays a great bad guy in everything he's been, he does. He's been around for a very long time. He's a yeah, and he also was in uh, another Stephen King adaptation, Golden Years, in, I believe, 91. Ah, ah, the, the made-for-TV years, yes. That's the movie that not even, even not just Stephen King, but everybody forgot about that movie. <laughs> That's like sometimes they come back again and again and, again. and sometimes <laughs> again on top of that, too. <laughs> Well, listen, I can't I don't care. I love Rose Red. I thought that was... No, no, no. Good, yeah. Rose Red is the fucking pinnacle of Stephen King TV adaptations. Yes. Period. That movie's fucking incredible. Um, but most of the 90s, like, like it was like It and then Rose Red were like the bookends that were like really good. Yeah. And then the rest of everything that came out in between was shit. And I don't know why. But... That's maybe because you shouldn't put Stephen King things as made for TV adaptations. He doesn't write TV friendly shit. Don't do that. No. <laughs> yeah, he was in the very underrated series Golden Years. Who that dude? Uh, I, heard that before. I heard that before somewhere. The um, yeah, he keeps it going. He's still kicking too. He plays a great fucking scoundrel. 
You know what I mean? He just looks like I, I would have said he played what's her name's father in eight. The fucking the pedophile father. Be- uh, Be- De- yeah. Uh, Marsh. Sometimes Mr. I worry Marsh. about you, Bevy. Sometimes I worry a lot. That yeah. guy. Yeah, sa- sadly, Ed Lauer passed away in 2013. Rest in peace. He was always a handsome guy that made me feel comfortable. Liar. Hey, come on. <laughs> We're rewriting history. Don't get that foam around my mouth, Bill, getting me all that good. You know, you know what this movie's missing though? What's that? It does we don't we don't we don't have anything we don't is is D Wallace our golden haired god she is, in yeah. this movie? She, yeah, she's gotta be. She is we've, yeah. we we've been lamb we've been like, you know, waxing philosophical about why all these adaptations have like this golden haired like Adonis and all mm-hmm. of them. Like Carrie had uh Greatest American Hero there. I forget his name, I'm sorry. William Cat. William Cat, that's yeah. it. Um and then right after that we had but every one of them. Like Ben Mears. Starsky there. No, it was Hutch. Hutch playing Hutch. Ben Mears. He was a golden the, I mean he was getting all kinds of ass on screen, Bonnie yeah. Bedelia and whatnot. <laughs> I mean, and this is the one adaptation where the, the golden goddess is a chick. It's D. Wallace, and she's gorgeous. So I mean, yeah. it's fair. Mm. She still looks amazing for she her. Does. She does. She absolutely she does. She's a very, very attractive woman. I saw. Her, I, I'm. I. I saw her a couple of years ago at a thing function. I don't know. She looked amazing. She looked incredible. She's such a sweetheart well, she, too. She's so nice. She, she was at. Um. She was at Rock and Shock within the past five years. Yeah. Then, no. I think. I definitely think it was Rock and Shock that I'm thinking of. For yeah, sure. but I mean, she she's just a she's very sweet to her fans. You know, she's a very kind person. You know, I mean, she's just she really is like the Ooh. character she plays. Oh, oh, oh! That that's very some, kind. I had to interrupt you there. That's, oh, that was some D Wallace ass right there. D. That's Wallace ass. That's yeah. And now she's going <laughs> intense. Interesting. She was just liking it, wasn't she? She was for like half a second. All right. He got too aggressive. I I know someone looks like that guy. That looks like David Stone. Yeah, her That's her, her hus- husband, yeah. her husband at the time, who she met on the set of The Howling. Oh, nod. Hey, I like it. See, but this is this is the thing. Like that's Christopher like, Stone. Maybe they're brothers. His name's oh, Christopher Stone. That's possible. Hmm. That's possible. There you go. Maybe maybe she got him the job as like a hookup, you know. Well, yeah. the thing was, uh, they were a little engaged. nepotism. A little they nepotism. were actually engaged at the time, and the story, I believe, on the commentary track, uh, according to um, Joe Dante and Mike Finnell, they basically called and said, "Oh, he must have called you by accident. He, we were trying to find Christopher Stone." She's like, "Oh no, I can get him. Hold on." Hmm. And she puts him on the phone. And they're like, oh, shit. And so either way, they bring him in. And he just does a very impressive audition. They really liked him. And basically, one of the big bargaining things as well was, hey, all you need to do is get us one trailer. We don't need to. So, um, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you know, it worked out. And, you know, they uh, they married, I think, shortly after that. And, um Unfortunately, uh, Christopher is no longer with us, but you oh, know, yeah. they were, yeah. 
they were married uh, for, uh, I want to say, a good few years before he passed, you know. Rest in peace. I can't remember the duration, but I mean, you know. And that's... That's a little small piece of filmmaking advice out there that we can give you uh, to you budding filmmakers out there. Find two people that are fucking higher them both, and you only have to have place one, find place one place to put them. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, if you can get a couple that are both performers, or if they're a crew, then makes it easier. They only got to use one car. That means you don't... Well, I mean, there's an up and down. If they're all early, great. If they're all late, uh-oh. Yeah. But, <laughs> put a clause in the contract: no breakups while in production. <laughs> oh, let me tell you, I could, I got stories for days about that shit. But, <laughs> uh, but that's that's for another time. That's for another time. Say we're talking about rabid dogs and Stephen King. Yeah, yeah. You know, one, of, one of the dogs actually bit D. Wallace on the face, uh, causing her to yeah. get stitches, which is pretty yeah. crazy. That must that's, have been a crazy day on set. That's fucking harsh, dude. But I mean, when you're working with I, anything, I don't, I don't care if you're fucking D. Wallace working on Cujo or Joe fucking Exotic <laughs> running around in a cage with a bunch of tigers. Like you're working with big fucking animals, you're taking a risk. Oh, oh Jesus! Plain and simple. I'm not yeah, saying that the animals just gonna turn around and try to rip your face off on purpose, but accidents fucking happen. Did you watch about- the new series? I did. I did. I didn't find anything particularly interesting about season two, though. Me neither. Lie. It just felt like what... I mean, Carol's husband, the double life, was probably the most interesting thing, and that was about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that and, like, it just it just didn't... It just felt like they were just trying to drag it out for a couple extra episodes for whatever. It didn't really have anything new to me. I didn't feel like there was... a. Yeah, just felt like it was just rehashed, but the whole thing about Dawn was the only thing that was intriguing because that was new. <laughs> I remember the exactly. fire department. The fire department came on this day because the fog was so intense. I've had that happen before. Honestly. Yeah. Fog machines can be unpredictable animals. Let me tell you. They really can. Yeah. They said it was an extremely cold shoot as well, even though you can't tell by watching it, but it was freezing. The whole set was froze. They were very cold, cold people. Well, you, it's Northern California. They, they yeah, definitely very, get very cold. Yeah. yeah. That, that California Maine. You know how it is. <laughs> Reality. Beautiful icy cold cliffs. King King took a shot at the first draft of the script too, so I wonder if he was the dude to you know. I wonder how much of it was actually to the book of her character being a little more not so motherly. I wonder if so, that was in his version or not. Yeah, something tells something tells me that King probably wanted to correct some of his own mistakes in the book, and his first draft is probably a bit softer. He's probably still trying to please Hollywood at that point too. Yeah, I, I think he was trying to get maximum overdrive off the ground, so he was kissing everybody's ass. Because yeah. he directed that, too, memory Yeah, yeah. he did. Yeah. yeah, that was the only film he directed, I think, right? There's yeah, a couple yeah. of really good reasons for that. He vowed to never do <laughs> yeah. anything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, there's our building. 
the great uh, oh, Billy God. Jane. You've seen him yeah. in it. He was all over the place, TV and movies in the 80s or 90s. Yes, he was. What a shot. I like that framing. That's great framing. But one thing I will, I will say about Cujo that I think is one of its more egregious sins is that I don't feel like there's something really special or unique about the cinematography as a whole. Like there's some shots that are really good and there's some very competent things, but I feel like a lot of it is very par for the course for the arrow. You know, like you don't see, you don't see something like, I mean, like we want to compare like D Wallace vehicles right off. This is no ET (laughs) when it comes to cinematography. Like it just like the shots just happen. (laughs) <laughs> you could almost like say like Pet Cemetery versus this. I mean, the cinematography on that I think was it is strong in certain places. There is a certain flatness to it, but this has always felt as kind of. I mean, there are some beautiful, you know, the the compositions and stuff, but to me, this always felt kind of flat. No, no, I I completely agree with you, Billy. It's it's not. It, it I don't feel like they did as much as they could have. You know what I mean? Like, even if you're looking at this, like, this basic, like, dialogue back and forth, like, it's very stationary, it's very flat. Dialogue, like, my biggest thing is, like, if you just have two people fucking talking, they either have to be doing something, or the camera has to be doing something. If you're just sitting there, like, yeah, you're gonna get a disconnect with the audience. I don't, I don't, I don't, I personally, as, as a, as myself as a director, like, I would, I would go a different way with a lot of that stuff. That's just. I, I think I think those two shots can be rather difficult. I mean, if you're doing it handheld, that's one thing. But even if you, even to use something like a dolly, just to kind of move it around a little. But you know, when it's just when it's too static, it just it falls flat. That's the only yeah. way I can describe. It. Yeah, and especially if it's just dialogue delivery. You know what I mean? Like that's like if you're just trying to do some character development or some plot development. Like, there's ways to make that interesting. You know, it doesn't have to be just, oh, here's my character. Yeah. And then you hang there while they talk. Like, the only person I think of that can get away with that is Quentin Tarantino. But that's because his writing, his dialogue's so fucking good that, like, it doesn't matter. Because what they're doing in the frame, like, he can just sit there static. Because they're so lively and what they're saying is so interesting that it, it makes up for it. Yeah, but this, yeah. I mean, no. I want to see Kevin Smith, so. Kevin Smith, yeah. You can't forget Kevin Smith. He made a career out of that old deal. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know no, definitely. I mean? Great like, great dialogue writer, really. Not a lot going on in the frame. Like, but, they're, but, the, but we're talking about two brilliant character writers. You know what I mean? That's the thing. Like, they have, they have that talent for creating that kind of level of dialogue and characters where they can just do their character development straight through their dialogue. You don't even have to see anything happen to these people. You just see them go through what they go through and just talk about it and they evolve. And it's wild. But this is not that. (laughs) (laughs) Originally, they didn't even want the the dog trainer who uh, was on the film wanted to get them to change it from a St. Bernard because uh, they didn't have any St. Bernards that were trained. They were trying to get a Doberman in there, but the producer held steady. Now I was curious: any of you guys ever been attacked by a dog or anything like that back in your in day? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Yep. No? I've been attacked by a dog. 
James has anything crazy? Oh yeah, yeah. No, it was it what was happened? nuts. What happened? Um, I was like nineteen, and a friend of mine had a pit bull named Bishop, and I had hung out with this dog dozens and dozens of times. Never would have thought anything would go sideways. I decided one day I was wearing a fucking... I went over to my boy, buddy's house with a fucking work shirt on. Oh. Well, what I was not told was that this dog was a junkyard dog. And that his previous owner, who wore a work shirt a lot, beat the shit out of him every fucking day. So I showed up one day in a work shirt, not knowing this little tidbit, and Bishop went straight for my fucking nuts. Oh. Thankfully... No, no, no. I, I'm happy to say that both the boys are still attached. That's, <laughs> yeah. he, he didn't make you a eunuch? Thank God. No, no. The boy, Both the boys and the big boy are there. I got my arm in front of him before he could get there. But he locked onto my left arm. And I was locked into that, I don't know, maybe, maybe 20 minutes. Yeah. He wouldn't okay. let go. And I'm talking like I'm repeatedly elbowing this big lug of a dog in the fucking face as hard as I can, which you all have seen me in person. I'm no small guy, so I was hitting him pretty fucking hard, and he would not (laughs) let go. And finally, I was able to, like, rent, like, Kevin, my, my buddy, grabbed his snout and I grabbed his lower jaw and we literally had to sit there and pull him apart. And I finally got my arm out and I got out the door and he had him by the collar and he was like barely hanging on for his dear life. But yeah, no, that was, that was nasty. I needed like fucking 10 stitches in both sides of my arm. Like it was, it was bad. It was bad, bad. Something heavy with that dog. No. Any other guys? Cujo Cujo strikes close to home. Yeah. 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 (laughs) But it was a 20-minute struggle before you actually got him off you. Mm-hmm. They clamp down like alligators. Yeah. Oh, they do. Let go. They don't, if, if, they, if they lock on, their jaws lock. Yeah, it's, like a, it's like a reverse snake jaw. It actually it like literally locks in, hinges into itself and locks. Yeah. It won't let go. Yeah, we thought know. we were actually going to have to break his jaw with a crowbar. That's Yikes. that's Yeah. If only you could communicate and say, "Buddy, this is the next step." You would have let go. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got a Rottweiler bite. My I was trying to feed my uncle's Rottweiler once, fucking cereal when I was like young, and just grabbed my wrist and like shook, and it didn't do like there was a little bit of blood, but like it could have fucking annihilated me. You know what I mean? So mm. it knew what it was doing. Like they're smart animals. They're kind of like that's their way of slapping your hand. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Anybody else ever have any uh, dog attacks? Or any fears of dogs in the neighborhood growing up or anything like that? Oh, I had fears of dogs. Yeah, come to get you. Oh, yeah. The worst yes. animal. Literally. <laughs> the worst animal attack I ever had was from actually, it wasn't a dog, it was my own cat of 16 years because the cat got up. And this is when I was living in South and right next door. There was this big dog, very similar to. Um, this dog here. Uh, it wasn't a St. Bernard, but it was something just as big. And his name was Dreyfus. And I never forgot his name. And Dreyfus basically went after my cat. And I picked my cat out, cap up, my cat up. And he put his claw all the way from here so deep 
up the side of my arm. Mm. I had a scar for years, but it finally just like went away. But it was so it was one of the deepest cuts I've ever gotten from an animal. I thought I was going to have to go to the fucking hospital, and thankfully it just I didn't have to. But you know, when you, when you when, when something bites you and you're able to finally get off and look at the wound. You know, it's just, it's like, when you look at an animal wound on yourself. Oh, it's fucking intense. So gnarly, you know, it's, it, it's, it's scary, dude. Like when I, after the, after that dog attack, I was just looking at my forearm and the holes, like, it was like perfect. It was like, it looked like a vampire blade. Like, yeah. like you expect, but it was just fatter fangs, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm looking at, and it's like, shit's going into my muscle and I'm just like, and it's just surreal. Like, it's surreal. You're like, that happened? Because it doesn't hurt. It's weird. Like, the pain was long gone after all that. Like, my my arm was sore, but because of him tugging on it, not because of the bite marks. You know what I mean? And I'm just looking at this thing that just, it just, there's no feeling to it. And I'm like, that's happening to me? No. That's somebody else's arm. It's, it's, it's really strange. Yeah. How about you, Mark? You ever been attacked by a dog or a small animal? Um, no, I, I've, I mean, the closest, uh, is I I was attacked by a snake. Really? Oh, shit. Yeah. Anaconda now, we're getting into the Anaconda movie. Well, well, it's it's funny. It's funny because, uh, damn, I think it was like 10 or 11. Uh, maybe a little, I, no, no, I was younger than that now. Is that Alabama was. black snake that bit you? It's a trouser snake, before, dude. Yeah. Now, no, the thing was, I was hiking with my mom and dad, and, uh, my dad was in front of me, my mom was behind me, and all of a sudden, my dad jumped to the left, and my mom jumped to the right, and oh. both of them were telling me to come to them. And, of course, you know, I was a young kid at the time. I was kind of freaking out. Mm. So I'm jumping up and down, not knowing where to go, until my dad finally grabbed me and yanked me off. And when he did that, all of a sudden you see the snake just, you know, just in the grass, you know, go out like a bat out of hell. Mm. And when I, I talked to my dad and mom, they said that when my dad stopped, he must have stepped on it. So it was hitting him. Uh, but my dad had jeans, so it wasn't leaving any marks. But I had shorts. Oh, but, yeah. But when my dad jumped and my mom jumped, I ended up walking onto the snake itself. Hey. And when they started telling me to come to him, I was jumping up and down on the snake. And oh, shit. The snake. <laughs> they said every single time the snake's head came up to hit me, the back of my heel socked it in the jaw. Every single time, like clockwork. Wow! Until Perfect I was Perfect timing. Off. Yeah, ninja. yeah. They they were like, you know, you could have planned it better. <laughs> I was like, uh, but yeah. I mean, I was like, I didn't know which way to go. But well, that that's my animal attack story. What what but kind of snake? Forever, you know? Have you actually been attacked by a dog or any animal? No. Oh. Lucky man. You're, you're a very lucky man, Anthony. Yeah. <laughs> I got a weird story involving a moose. I've had dogs try to chase me, yes. But, no. You're too sweet for him, Tone. When it comes to a moose, you're lucky if you can survive, especially when it comes to those car accidents. Oh, I was those... in a tree. Oh, you were in a tree. 
Yeah, no, like, when I was younger, like, my dad um, was, he is a big uh, shooting, hunting enthusiast kind of guy, like a northern redneck, if you will. And he was very adamant. <laughs> no, no, this, the, the hunting just part. Just the, <laughs> just the hunting part. He didn't gather shit. <laughs> Trust me, I was the one who had to carry everything. <laughs> but, yeah, no, we were up in uh, the northern states doing some uh, bow hunting, actually. A little archery. He, we, had a, we had a tree perch, and uh, my dad had one, two, five, many beers. He saw some <laughs> antlers and decided to fucking pluck an arrow at it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no. A much more sober fucking 16-year-old son of his looked at the antlers and went, don't do that. Don't. Fuck, that is not a deer. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, moose hide is very thick, so the arrow went in about maybe half an inch, pissed the moose all the way off. Oh, yeah. The moose headbutted the tree about 3,000 fucking times before it went away. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're holding on for dear fucking life because it's shaking the whole goddamn tree. Yeah. And it finally <laughs> fucked off, but yeah, no, that was terrifying. <laughs> Yeah, but all because my dad was like, antlers. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? That doesn't even look like a deer. What are you doing? And what you just said reminded me of a fun film fact. The critters themselves, they looked the most like animals in the first one because they were made out of moose pelts. Mm. Yes, they were. That's right. We'll jump into the flick real quick. Now things are starting to pick up. We're at the official final destination of the, the rest of the film, I believe. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. They've already been attacked in the car, which was a big scene, and now he's just kind of watching him, and he's fucking looks like a dog zombie with all that gore hanging off his face, and he's got fucking conjunctivitis. I don't know what the hell's going on with the fucking poor thing. Um, the kid's calm, though. He's not writing a story. It's okay. He <laughs> That's does. all right. That's his. That's oh. his therapy. The psychiatrist says, "Right when you get worried, yeah. When you're when you when you're stuck in a hot car, I mean, mm. why wouldn't you write a novel?" Well, it's so funny because this movie, it's like when people talk about the movie, mm. it seems like what they remember, remember the most: Dee Wallace in the car with her kid, you know, oh. and the dog going in circles, and it makes you think, like, how long is this movie? And because that scene, you know, like the, when you describe it, sounds like it's maybe for a few minutes. But, you know, it's like really like the last third of the film, you know. It is. Sense. It is, yeah. What, what do you guys take? What's your take on Cujo? I mean, he's kind of, he's a victim himself, you know, in the beginning. He's like an anti-weird, like anti-villainy type thing where it's beyond his control. He's just, he's like infected. It's almost like a Dracula situation or even a zombie situation. Uh, he's very sympathetic. Even when he's running around, you know, you, you do still always kind of feel bad for him a little bit. I've always, I've always felt like this is a very demented retelling of old Yeller. Yeah. Like yeah. you don't, you don't want to see the dog die, but at the same time, like, you know, it's the, that, it's the inevitable conclusion. If yeah. a rabid animal's running around, there's only one thing you can do that's merciful for it. Yeah. There's no cure. You know? So, it, it is, you're right. It, it's tragic. It's tragic story. All around. King Kong, got a little King Kong in there type deal. A little, a little, a little King Kong, a little old yeller. Definitely. Yeah. There's definite, there's definite seasoning 
of both stories in there, just told in a much more you know horror based lens. And it almost makes you think of what the hell was Stephen King contriving from? What was he using as his means of inspiration to come up? He was going for real, his real horror. A lot of his horror is kind of real fictionalized. This is the closest thing I can really think of off the top of my head. You get cat's eye and some short stories and stuff, but like this realistic, somewhat realistic horror. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if uh, this is true or not. I heard a rumor that he, uh, Stephen King himself, actually had a dog named Cujo. Oh. And I think, I don't know whether his dog actually got rabies or something, but I think uh, whether, I mean, of course, this is a stylized version, but I think this, you know, is, uh, I, I think he had a situation where, you know, his dog either got rabies or something happened and, you know, the dog had to be put down or something. Of course, this is something I heard a while ago. Don't know how true it is. I believe it. I yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd honestly buy that because there's there's an element of re, it's reality in Stephen King's life and all of his stories. Yeah, and it does um, have especially that. the early stuff. Yeah. Gotta, and, and, yeah, and and the thing is that um, another thing that I've I've heard was one of the reasons he he started writing was. He had these great, uh, terrible nightmares, and his mother would t- tell him to, you know, deal with the nightmares by writing down the stories. Yeah. And the thing is that whether it actually happened or not, if he did have a dog, and 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 you know, especially if he was prone to nightmares, it would also be understandable that you know he would. I mean, one of the things, especially during uh, that t- uh, during you know, time where you know. Uh, just like he, he could have suddenly watched Old Yeller and then he thought about his own dog and then, of course, taking like that story and kind of putting the Stephen King kind of twist on that, too. I mean, the fact is that uh, probably you're right. I mean, I think out of all the Stephen King films, this is the closest to like a most like real story that you can believe actually happened. Yes. Yeah. It's like Pet Cemetery if you took the supernatural out of it in a way. Yeah. Like if you said there was a lost scene where Cujo was buried in Pet Cemetery and then he came back evil, you would almost go, I could almost see that. You can believe yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You could almost say that this was the precursor to Pet Cemetery in a yeah. way. And cue yeah. the Ramones. <laughs> no, but you, you could you could easily say that. Pet Cemetery. Fun fact, um, I was gonna save it for the Pet Cemetery episode, but it came up. Pet Cemetery is the one book he stopped writing because he was too afraid of it. Hmm. Huh. He actually started writing Pet Cemetery before he started writing The Shining. And he said, Uh, this is scaring the living shit out of me. I'm gonna put this away for a while and he didn't pick it back up for like two years. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Pet Cemetery is a super creepy movie. Like uh, that is one of it. When it, if you're if you're counting creep factor, that's got to be in the top three. Of the all. original, the original. Yeah. Oh yeah, let's not talk that, about the reboot. It's so sad that we even have to say the original. We'll eventually yeah. do the reboot on this show, which is funny. That book, that book is straight up. If there's a Stephen King book to read, yeah. If you're getting started with Stephen King and you want to read the the the, the King literature behind all these, you know, adaptations that we talk about on the show, 
Pet Cemetery is hands down. I mean, I know I say Salem's Lot's the ones that scared me the most because it's when I read it. Pet Cemetery is the only book left on planet Earth that still scares me to this day. I, when I, when I, to me, it's my personal favorite. I, I, I even do the audio book as well, which was narrated by Michael C. Hall. Yeah. And I'll actually listen to that while actually reading the book. And it's just both. Yeah. I do both. Why would you do yeah. both? I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm starting to do that a little more, but you know, it makes it easier for me to read. It helps train my, it helps train my mind with some oh, yeah. words, you know, but it's, it's, I, it's, I like to pretend to a mouth. I like to word, listen to the audio book while mouthing the words. So I think that that's my voice that I'm hearing and not. Actually. Yeah, sure. You know what I mean, Billy? Yeah, no. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, Pet Cemetery is a fucking terrifying book. It is. Pet Cemetery is a terrifying book. Yeah. To this day, as a 40-year-old man, I am still afraid when I read that book. You're 40? Jesus I'm Christ. I'm 40, dude. Yeah, hey, I'm turning hey. 41 next month. Hey, I'm 42. I know. I'm 42, too. <laughs> I'm we're... we're but we're a gorgeous forty. Look at look at us. Look at how young we are. Not a gray hair amongst the bunch of bunch of us. That's true. I'm all gray hair. I just die to look more beautiful. There you go. You are beautiful, Bill. Yeah, I, I think curl up and die so long. One th- one thing about this movie that I think really works, and I mean, going back with what you said, but you know. You're thinking when when you think of Cujo, you're thinking of the dog circling the car, and you know Dee Wallace and her son being in the car, mm-hmm. and I mean you would automatically think that's a short period of time, but it's like the majority of the film, and I think that's what really adds to the film is I mean not only do you have that terror, but you also have the claustrophobic feeling of being trapped in such a confined space. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think, I mean, it's, I mean, it's scary enough, you know, dealing with like a big animal that's, you know, going to rip you apart. But the fact that you're in a trap space, it's hot. And you know that if you try to get out, you're going to get attacked. And if you, if you never leave the car, you're going to die from, either heat exhaustion or starvation or something like that. So you have those kind of two fears playing off each other. Yeah, it's... uh, This is the part of the movie where I think the allegory of being compared to Jaws makes a little sense. I've I've always felt that that was like... Like in the boat? Kind of... Like when they're stranded in the boat type deal? Yeah, like when yeah. they're stuck on the orca, they're stuck here. You got that isolation, sure. Yeah. But, I mean, I've heard that allegory made a bunch of times where, like, you know, people are like, oh, this gives dogs the Jaws treatment. And I'm just like, nah, I don't think that's a really good And if you're a real horror fan, you say, no, it was called Grizzly and it starred Andrew Prime. Get your bad shit. <laughs> um, actually, funny story. My, uh, my network daddy, Neil Jones, they did a screening of Grizzly 2 not too long ago. Oh, the one with Clooney. I, I yeah. still did check. Yeah, Clooney. Clooney pops well, up. Who's the other big name? They're all big names in that. Charlie movie. Sheen, I think, was in it. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right there. Really? I it was lost. It was, that it, many. it was lost Lord, for many I think, years. I think Lori Loughlin. Yeah, Lauren. no, no, she's in it. She's in it. 
She's absolutely in it. But that was lost to the annals of time for a while. And then, yeah. it, finally, oh, nice. and then it came back. Because the grizzly yeah. always comes back. Yeah. But yeah, oh, oh. I mean... I mean, it's it's just it's funny when when yeah yeah when a movie like that that has been kind of lost for so long finally you know pops a uh, pops up and it has you know like you know big names to us now but at that time was like a beginning of their careers and no one really it's probably why it popped up though because the big yeah. names were in it yeah that's that's why you know, definitely why he's headbutting the car right now yeah I always found this to be. Yeah, I always felt this was really hard to believe. Like Saint Bernard's pretty big, but that do- that car is way bigger. Yeah. Like, how pissed off is that dog that he's able to like ram it like a water buffalo? Rabies is a hell of a drug, man. Apparently, bacon, bacon, bacon. He'd be he'd kill himself eventually. He would be he would beat himself into exhaustion and die. Unfortunately, you know what I mean. I think eventually I'm not, I'm not- that. Those head hits, I don't think that dog could take those head hits and just kind of keep going. But. Yeah, he'd be lining, he'd be lining himself up for a broken jaw. Yeah, uh, concussion. Like I don't know, but definitely is, if he's, in, I don't know. Rabies is a crazy thing, right? It makes them feel like they go crazy or something like it's that. It's like being, a, it, yeah, no, it it shuts down a lot of your like nervous system. So, like by the time you're that nuts, you also can't walk. So yeah, it's yeah, like. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's no, what I mean, I, like, big stretches. Big stretches. Yeah. It seems like this scene right here is the scene that everyone remembers the most in the movie. When that dog just comes right at the car, and then there's just, I don't know what it is. It's just one of those iconic images. Whenever, whenever they say Cujo, it's always when he's with the car. You know, the, the director made a decision to never... Like show Cujo getting hurt, which I thought was interesting. Even like when it hit a, the the impact was taken away when it was headbutting the car. The actual impact took they took it away in just the aftermath of him laying on the ground, which uh, was interesting. Well, even if they were doing anything with the puppet, you know, Peter was probably there just making sure. You know, like yeah, I know it's a puppet, but you know, in, well, I'm not going to kick say it this time. Too much about Peter on a I, I think it was more of an artistic decision. At that point, I don't. I don't even think it was so much not depicting the dog getting hurt or not. I think. I think it was just a matter of they wanted him to look as unstoppable as possible. Yeah, no, I agree. You know what I mean? Mm. Lamont, do you know if this was um, your pet cemetery? Is this Lance Anderson who did the makeup? Yes. Okay. If I'm not mistaken, yes. If I'm, I, 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 I wasn't 100 percent sure because I know he did pet cemetery and. Because, I mean, that they, they obviously have to fabricate some of these dogs, you know, for safety purposes, you know, take it. Certainly. Yeah, no, there's there, there's a change of head in there somewhere, at, le- at the very least, just a head. We talked about that. I think Matt mentioned that at the beginning of the episode, that there's, yeah. a, there's a fake dog head. There's a robotic head, a guy in a suit, and five actual dogs. Yeah, that's it. Picture. That's what he said. Yeah. I don't know why. I could be wrong, but I thought it was Brock Winkless. But Brock, Brock Winkless was an animatronic. Uh, the special guy. effects were Rick Josephson, G. Lynn Moggin, and Robert Clark. Those are the okay. Three so three. we were all wrong. All right. Oh, yeah, we were wrong. Okay. All right. Is that makeup? Why, or special that... makeup? Huh? That's special that effects. Makeup? Which is what I assume the dog would special be. Um, yeah. Makeup. We got um, Michael Lavelli. Robin L. Neal and Julie Purcell. 
just some randos. Okay. Michael and Robin are mainly the makeup crew. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense, though. Like, I, I, I couldn't see a big guy getting behind this movie because there's not there's a lot no, of showcase pieces in it. Yeah, there's not a lot of meat and potatoes to really show up. Yeah. You've got the gory face. The gory face and maybe some of the wounds and stuff or some of, like, the real, like, the, the money shots of gore in here. You could mainly just get, like, a TV. Some of the, those people probably worked on TV or something like that. Did, yeah, like, I, would, I wouldn't see Rick Baker lining up for no, that. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's funny. I noticed uh, on Chucky now, uh, uh, Tony Garner uh, has come in as an associate producer where he's done the effects on the last few films. So it's really interesting seeing some of these makeup effects people transitioning over to TV, not unlike what Nicotero did for, you know, really easing on with The Walking Dead, considering how effects heavy that was. Well, I mean, he's he's a he's a big he's a big shot over at AMC. Period. Now he pretty yeah. much controls Shutter. Like he he's he's gone beyond like K and B. Yeah, he's, that's that's not even. I think he I think his name's just on the door at this point over there. <laughs> <laughs> yep. God, she's hot. Look at that mullet. Yeah. He's <laughs> so just chilling under the car, playing playing possum. Oh yeah! See, don't look down there. Don't look don't, down there. Don't, don't yeah. ever don't go that face first. Under the bed shot that you see in every movie, every horror movie. There's, there's three oh, rules. Shit! Ooh. Yeah, oh, you don't fucked up now, D. Yeah. Uh oh. Like that's intense. I wouldn't want to be involved. Yeah. 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 I wouldn't want that his fucking conjunctivitis on me. That's the problem I'd have in that situation. I just, I just wouldn't want a hundred and thirty-five pound meat missile launched at me like that. No, thank you. Fucking sloppy. <laughs> Filled with blood and pus and fucking saliva, dude. A big sponge of shit. <coughs> you know, she really, she shouldn't be that fearful because if she just survived what she just survived, I'd say she had a pretty good chance of getting into the house. The kid wouldn't be able to do it, but I think she could almost get into the house and get away from yeah. it. Probably. She's also, I mean, there's also the unfortunate, like, circumstance that even if she does get one little bite, she's going to... Back in the day, the fucking rabies treatment was a nightmare. No. So she was looking for, she was looking forward to like six hours of stomach pain from all those fucking needles they were going to have to dig. And it wasn't like a regular needle, I don't think, for rabies. I think it was actually a thicker one. one. From what I've heard, when it comes to rabies, they were like sewing. They were like fucking sewing needles, and they actually had to jab them into your fucking abdomen, and they had to do it in six places. It was yeah. hardcore. Like I've had to get a rabies shot before. It was not fucking entered. It was not fun. It's probably, been years since I've had to get one. probably somewhere in the top three most painful things I've had to endure in my life. <laughs> oh, this kid's fucking oh. traumatized officially. I like oh, he's all done. Yeah, it's a nice, it's a nice, beautiful camera shot. I like that 360. Yeah, yeah, really well done. Is that all inside the car? Yeah, yeah, that's all inside the car. Yeah. They had, yeah. they had to, they had to be using some kind of like some trick to that. The bias. camera was too yeah. big at that time to put in there. Yeah, there's no fucking way. They had some kind of wraparound unit going on. The that cinema- made it look like it was in the car. There's no fucking. The cinematographer way. for this film was John Debont. Do you know oh, what he did previously? 
Most famous. known for speed. Oh, he did speed. All right, so he, life, he, yeah. so he got Later. better. He got better eventually. Gotcha. <laughs> Jan DeBont also almost had, had his skull uh, ripped off by one of the lions in Roar. I ah. believe. I he, I believe he was one of the seventy crew members that actually, you know, s- sustained an attack. Uh, well, Steve, uh, can you look uh, Thurber, can you look that up real quick wasn't he the guy who was also on Roar if memory serves correct for a cinematographer yeah 1981 uh, he directed yeah, I mean, Speed he, they let him direct Speed actually oh okay so he wasn't actually speed, in the camera Twister we, he was just a yeah war. yeah no yeah no Twister. he did, he did uh, oh yeah you're right as well. yeah right. you're right yeah he did Speed Twister Speed 2 he returned for the big check the Haunting and Lara Croft Tomb Raider Cradle of Life. Ooh, that's a that's a hell of a resume right there. And then he retired. Well, after doing Lara Croft, you kind of have to retire. That that tomb, that big Tomb Raider money. Was that a big? Was that the first one, or is that one of the sequels? That was the second. I, one. That, that was a sequel. Uh, uh, tomb Raider only had one sequel. They were and a then big they deal. Did a remake. They? Didn't people love them when they came out? Wasn't that a big deal? I think they just loved Angelina Jolie's tits, yeah. but, you know. Yeah. I, sure. I, I, I mean, Lara Croft, the game was such a huge thing at the right. time. Yeah, the so they were trying well. to jump off of that. And then uh, the first one, I think, did well. Second one, I think, didn't do well at all. Uh, that's why well, I think did. it's because everybody got attracted by Angelina Jolie's tits, and then they realized there was a shit movie they had to watch to enjoy them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was Jan Bond who was on the door. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eighty one, right? See, well, that's something that I can never do a movie about. Like fucking no, lions, like, alligators, like no, big but, predators. No. Yeah. No, there were so have you ever, have you ever, actually have you seen Roar? Yeah. Yeah, I have. I mean how intimidating I mean you think this is intimidating intimidating one rabbit Saint Bernard. What about being in a natural preserve with over a hundred giant wild cats where Fuck they're that. filming? Yeah, you shoot a movie like that, dude. Everybody's got guns. They're not going to risk a bunch of lions just fucking mauling the crew. There's people probably like security guards just walking around with rifles to make sure nobody. Well, crazy, actually, actually, it was funny because I was uh, watching uh, like a behind the scenes thing on Roar and. Uh, one of the big things was I think they only had like one legit stunt person on set because they didn't have the money to have like any of the real safeties things. If if you watch the movie uh, or like the uh, main guy who played the father, there's a few points where you see his arm like totally soaked in blood. That was real blood. That was a fake. You really want to do that? Something like that? A movie like that? If you can't do it safe, you shouldn't be doing it because that's where people. No, I mean, I mean, you know how how, you know how that movie got to be made, right? How? Pippi Hendren had a preserve, and she was in the business, and I think it was Noel Noel Marshall that directed it. There was a connection. Uh, Well, I mean, the thing was that they they had this preserve, and the idea was they wanted to do a movie that kind of promotes, you know, uh, preservation. Is that that sex scene they cut out of the movie right here? That's gross, Matt. Yeah. (laughs) But but anyway, the thing is, I think it took, like, 
don't know, almost uh, like five, maybe ten years for them to finally finish it. Because, you know, they started doing it, and then, of course, people got hurt, and then, you know, it it just... Because they actually lived with these big cats. Alex. What? If you were on set of a film with animals, and you were mauled by an animal but lived, and the director said, can we use that footage? Would you let them use the footage? Well, there's a like it, that they rat that fucking animal ragdolled you, dude. Like all over the set, like yeah. Like... But but the animals ragdolled <laughs> the people who were creating the movie. They wanted the movie done. It was Tippi Hedren and uh, uh, a question. Yeah. Alex Hawk has worked with me, so the answer is yes. <laughs> would you let him, like, would you let him put that footage if, if your character was dying in the movie and they had that footage of you getting torn to shit? And they said that is fucking great. <laughs> we got what we need, though. Can we use it? You let him use it, or you say, fuck you, man? Well, you I would money. be asking for more money. That That's what I would be doing. I would be like, you going to pay for this new hook? Ah, uh, no kidding. <laughs> yeah? You look, like, you look like the fucking dude in the Hannibal movie that, that, that feeds people the pigs. Uh, Ooh. Horrifying. Gary Oldman's character. Who are you talking about? His mom still says he's handsome, though. The dude in Hannibal whose, like, fucking face looks like it went through, like, a blender. <laughs> I believe oh, yeah, he feeds yeah. people the pigs, I think, if I remember correctly, or vice yeah. versa. He gets well, he only looked like that because Lecter ate his Fuck face. Him up, yeah. yeah. That was a beautiful Greg Cannon makeup. That was. That was that a great, great makeup. It, it was, was a great makeup. Real horror. It's fucking, that's real horror. You know what I mean? It's like, ugh. Getting eaten by pigs. That's rough, dude. That's, 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 ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Gross. It is gross, the fact that you're in the mud and just getting... Yeah, no. It's like land piranhas. Have you ever been around pigs? Pigs yeah, really dude. smell horrible, dude. Like horrible. They do. Oh, they smell like shit. Make you throw up horrible, yeah. Like feed pigs, yeah. Not like little, someone's cute little pot belly pig. Yeah. No. We're talking boars. I just see a ghost yeah. in the back of Thurber's fucking room, dude. I don't know what that was all about. Yeah, I know. Third, like your door's open. I wish this was a video just for came. that ghostly body that walked across that doorway. <laughs> that was some paranormal shit. Not going to lie. I like it. Fuck so yeah. here they are sleeping. You know, they just had sex. They're getting some rest in. The dog's That's chilling gross. out. Yeah, the dog's so chilling. The dog's, That's... I don't even have an eyeball anymore. Poor dog. Yeah, he's all fucked up. He's almost starting to look like Rustler from the Frighteners. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I he think said, the thing that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Man. No, no, you can go. You I was going to say, I think the most fucked up thing about this is that Kudrow did most of the damage that he's accrued so far to himself. Yeah. Trying to kill them. Don't we all? Don't we all? They said that they had to tie the deal, uh, the dog's t- uh, tails. Oh, dude, I love that. They t- tie the dog's tails. Okay. Um, together so they don't waggle because they're having so much fun during the film shoot that they're wagging. It just wouldn't work if you know. Yeah, no, it's not attack mode. That's okay. the, that's not an attacking tail. It's a it's a it's a happy, happy tail. Yeah, yeah, like happy feet, but a happy tail. Yeah, happy feet all around. I'm always happy for tail. Hey, yeah, hey, yeah. Hey. You know? get down. I'm, I I fully fucking agree with you there. This cop's about to get torn the fuck up. I love oh, yeah. this cop. He just looks so oblivious. He has Does no he idea what's the, about to happen. Doesn't even see the blood on the car. He's small town. He's probably drunk too. He's small town drunk cop. 
Uh-oh. He probably went to the... He probably there went there to it is. He, yeah, he probably went to the... Get trained by the cop from Salem slot. <laughs> yeah, there you go. The constable. Probably. Yeah. They share the same gun. We yeah. are in sunny California, Maine, after all. Yeah. Yeah. With a lot of fast cuts going on. I'll give him this. Like, this this half of the movie, the cinematography gets a lot better. It does. It picks up towards... I, I mean, the film picks up towards the end. I know. The way slow, they switch, slow build. It is a slow build. The way they switched out the director, I wonder if the first half... I mean, the momentum of it. I mean, I know they're going for that kind of slow build, get to know the characters, but I, th- I wonder if the footage that they should... Because supposedly they've seen dailies and didn't like it. So they got rid of him and brought in the new dude. So I wonder if the dailies were kind of those slow scenes. But realistically, usually in a production like that, they do the bigger stuff to get out of the way first to make sure they actually capture it to make sure, you know, they don't run out of... They get everything they need before running out of time, if you will. That's something you want to try and catch early on if you can. Because it's yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so yeah, difficult. Yeah. The more you film, then you have to replace someone. It's not It's not almost unlike fucking... Um, Back to the Future, when they shot almost the entire film with Eric Stoltz, they completely oh, that's crazy. And filmed with Michael J. Fox. So you need to rectify yeah. those situations and try to fix them sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. saying that's was an issue, it was just a different direction that they were going. No, but I mean, there's there's also something to be said about when you when you're trying to get capture a certain level of intensity. Do it before your fucking crew is tired. Absolutely. I think that's pretty, I, I mean, that's just pretty, like, logical, common sense shit. Get the crazy stuff out of the way while everybody's, like, in your first couple of days of shooting, when everybody's still rip, lock, cocked, and ready to rock before they're, you know, a little more tired and a little more. And then you do the easy shit later when everybody's already kind of beat up a little bit. At least that's the way I usually handle things, so we can uh, not... You know, I get the most intense thing right off the bat, and then weighing them down from there. Like I think from a production years. standpoint, that is important to try to get through your biggest yeah. hurdles first, and Fast and Furious. Yeah. Then the rest is not as intense, and it's a nice low. I'm not saying low in the sense you're completely going well, down, but it's you're moving with the course of the production where yeah. you get all that heavy shit out of the well, way. I mean. Using my own using my own production as an example, it's a hell of a lot easier to shoot dialogue between like Dan, Paul, and Erica on the box, uh, Dan, Bob, and Erica on the box, than to do like the more violent sections of it. You know what I mean? That's challenging. That's that's going to be challenging for anybody. You got there's things have to hit in the right spot at the right mark at the right time, and that's harder to line up when everybody's fucking. Tired after five days of shooting, and you got yeah. you know, you know it, it's to me. I feel like get that shit out of the way first, so you can get the most intense take you possibly could muster out of it, and then wean yourself down into the more simplistic shit. Did you film the box on weekends, or did you film it back to back with X amount of days? Um, it was a varying amount. Of things, the, the box was actually pretty compl- a complicated shoot because the exteriors we couldn't shoot when we shot the interiors because it was uh, negative twenty outside. Oh wow! <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> so so we had to shoot all of our interiors um, yeah. over five days, and then 
three months later when the ground thawed, we came back and did our exteriors. Because it had to be the same location. Because, you know, windows and whatnot. This kid passed out. He's dead. (laughs) Bill, you had a ghost in your picture frame, too, for a second. Yeah, I had to give it the finger. What happened? What happened? Was it like too much? As Matt would put it, was it too much sex? (laughs) (laughs) Fucking worn out. Oh my god, the sex was so good it freaked me out. I basically he's dehydrated. He's losing all his fluids. Yeah, Yeah, well, I mean, out of the bathroom. That's better. That's better than your analogy, Matt. I'll go with dehydration all day. That was that's far less dehydrated. How do you think? That's disturbing. Hey, that's, fuck, that's fucked up. What we got over here? I feel so. That's weak. like the worst place to put him, like right in front of the sun. Wouldn't you like put him in the shade in the car? Put him under. I, I mean, I would take floor. him out of the car. I, I would try to take him out of the car. Period. Because yeah, he's gonna die. <laughs> no matter where you are in that car, it's probably like 150 fucking degrees. Yeah. And she's running neutral and push it, lady. I'd be doing something. At this point, like there was yeah, a bat out there. Throw, one point. Get behind it and try to roll over that dog and just Fuck get it. that get out. Mutilated looking. I love the look of Cujo. No, yeah, he's, he looks savage at the end he of this movie. So he good. really does. He's he's very angry. Wham! There's our uh, shining Damn. moment with Wendy. Yeah, a little bit. It's like mm. I'm not going to hurt you. Yep. Jack Torrance. I'm going to just bash your brains in. Yeah. Thurber, I mean, I love the intensity I'm seeing in your eyes over there. With, yeah. I mean, with weapon, there's very few. I mean, the dog really hardly does, can't really stand that with against a weapon because it's just it got it can't block its face. It's always got its paws down. You know what I mean? I mean, I mean, a crowbar will do most dogs in. Pretty you were telling us about that earlier, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, yeah, one a couple good wallops on the head. I think it would take it out for a little bit, and then grab the kid, get out of there. I mean, the thing about like animal anatomy, like oh. dogs, and are are not all that much more durable than us. As far as like their hide or or their skull depth, uh, their skull structure or anything like that. So if it's gonna fuck a human up, it's probably gonna fuck a dog up just as easily. Right. So like this, the in in that essence, it's like not that hard to imagine fighting a dog off because they're a lot like us in what you know their pain thresholds and all that stuff. It's far different than say a tiger. Oh, right. <laughs> get Joe Exotic on the case. And now she's having trouble trying to get into the car. Yeah. Get a coat hanger, lady. Blow that window thing out. I mean, classic. I mean, this this kind of falls back on just classic horror movie stuff. At this kid looks point. like oh, E.T. Totally. Kid looks like he's grayed out like E.T. He's uh, done. The kid dies from all the glass in his lungs from that shot. <laughs> <laughs> She it would have been better if she shot the window and hit the kid. That would have been better. She's already not winning mom of the year, dude. Like, no. Oh, 
Who we got cornflakes up there? Product placement. Kellogg paid a pretty penny for that, I'm sure. This is like this is what Stephen King's house looked like when he was making these movies. Probably <laughs> he was he was still hey, very. Uh, what a sponsor a Stephen King Country movie. Bumpkin. Country bumpkin. I don't know if his house would look like that. He was probably too high during that time. Well, that's why it would look that way. That's why. Yeah, he was. He, he grew up. Stuff. I believe he came. You know, he came from like poor back. Like his house would look like a farmhouse poor type vibe like that. Well, he grew up in Bangor, yeah. which is like the size of the tip of my pinky. It's it's not a big town. Yeah. Looks a lot like Derry, though. The fictional mm-hmm. Derry. It's got the canal going through it and all that. But Once it's not more. a big town anymore. She can't get enough of this kid. Shit. No. <laughs> That's very fucking disturbing, Matt. It's very <laughs> disturbing. He's looking this like episode took a turn. <laughs> yeah. No. I like the darkness pictures balancing on. It's I try. I try to balance the light and the darkness, Bill. It's my job on this earth. Ah, he's coming back to us. He's coming back. She's crying. Actually, I think up. originally that I think you know, in the original uh, either original story or the original script, I, I heard that uh, he, he was supposed to die and then mm. Because it was such a downer of an ending that they wanted to, you know, uh, you know uh, put that he actually lives. Well, and I mean, spoiler alert, in the book, yeah, everyone fucking dies. <laughs> I like that. Uh, very. I mean, that would have been super bleak if they killed the kid in this. Yeah, that would have. So the, in, the, in the book, how does it end in the book? They all die. They all just get killed by Cujo, and he mom. No, no, it's 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 mom gets killed by Cujo. Kid and Cujo fight. Kid and Cujo die together. Oh, I like that. I like that. Actually, that 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 that. I mean, I I just had this image of you know both of them kind of like almost embracing as both of them die. You know, you know. So it's kind of like a a morbid, uh, you know, kid cuddling up with his dog, but. Both of them are now, you know, all covered in blood and dying. I would think more like Quentin Jaws. Just yeah, it's 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 a little bit of that, a little bit of old Yeller, but darker. Um, Cujo dies like absolutely positively. You you know Cujo's dead. The kid, it's more left on inference. Like yeah. as the book draws to a close, you pretty much get the idea that the kid's dead. But yeah, no, it's a much darker ending than Cujo the movie gets, that's for sure. Yeah, they, that was a very... The ending seems like they didn't really know what they wanted to do with it. Even that ending was kind of like... That could have been janky. one of those pickup shots. The, whole, the end, that was a pickup shot ending or something. Yeah, no, it's janky. It ends like three different times, in my yeah. opinion. I, mean, I have a feeling King and a lot of the production companies argued a lot when it came to the feature film stuff, how they were going to end certain things. Compared to like book endings, adapting um, you know, to film endings. I think I think at this point, because he had just like what Cujo was eighty three, so shot in eighty two, so he had just gone through the whole dance with Kubrick and The Shining and all that. I think at this point he's kind of made his peace 
with the fact that he can't get what he wants all the time when it comes to like being true to his books. And I mean, that's, that's, I think that's true of any author. They're not going to get that, that authentic true thing. Cause a movie and a book are two different things. Yeah. Right. A movie has to end a certain way. And a movie's made by a much bigger team of people than just one guy who's the guy that's writing the book. And maybe your editor has some say here and there. Um, so I think it's, I think it's a little bit of a, I think there was a bit of a culture shock hey. for, for King. Hey, how about that? Yeah. My uh, little, little nod, but, uh, I think there was a little bit of a culture shock for King as he was trying to like navigate the early part of his career with the film adaptations and whatnot, yeah. which is yeah, why I, he blasted Kubrick so much. I think. Uh, I don't know exactly yeah, when he, when he got his, his clout and his footing, Enough to be able to say my way or the highway. I don't think he quite got there yet. No. As no, it would no. come, even without the huge successful writing career, I still, you know, there's still a crossover with the film people that are going to be trying to trump him, you know what I mean? So, like, I yeah. felt like he probably, until those, until he, he probably didn't really start to get tr- full creative control to say yes or no until those TV movies kind of came around. I think, I think it was it. I think it yeah. was the first one he really got to be like, yes, no, yes, no. I think I think before that he was really a slave to whatever they felt like doing. Yeah, you know, fuck yeah, that's what happens. Well, that that wraps up Cujo. You guys remember it being better than you remembered, or uh, no good? Nah, it's about it's about exactly what I remembered to be honest. Both yeah. the same. I yeah. agree. Yeah, it's it's uh, in in the grand like discography of Stephen King adaptations. I don't I don't really think this one really shines. Um, compared, uh, yeah, yeah, the coin of phrase. Yeah. Um, I don't think this one really shines. I don't think it's like one of the classics, and I think there's a reason for that. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's a movie that really knows what it wants to be all the time. Yeah. Right. You, you know? can't say, but it's not a bad movie. It's just no, it's not a bad, yeah, movie. not a bad movie. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's so hard. The whole perception of what some might think it's bad versus good. I think if you're a Stephen King fan, I think a lot of people feel indifferent. Maybe is the word well, towards this film because it does. It's in that pantheon of King, of course, but it depends but. what why you're a fan of him. If you're a fan of his him, his writing, you might not like the movies because they differ so much. But like, if you oh, if you're yeah. a fan of his entirely like that, then yeah, you probably you'd, you could blindly just go watch or read anything. Then you know, I think I think a big part of it, um, as far as like where Cujo sits, is that it's in such iconic company. It's not that it's a bad film. It's just when you have such a large grouping of things that are considered classics, yeah. whether it be The Shining, Salem's Lot, so maybe Pet Cemetery. Yeah, yeah, I feel like it gets overshadowed by the bigger, by yeah. the bigger boys. I'm not it saying gets, it's a bad film. Yeah, but, yeah. Right. I mean, I mean, I, I think, I think uh, one of the things that we've touched on, which I mean, it was interesting watching this again. Is is like, I mean, the only memory I had of Kuja before watching it again was 
pretty much all of the you know dog car those kind of scenes. I I I completely forgot about any other characters. I thought that the entire movie was just D. Wallace, the kid, and the dog. I I mean I didn't remember there was any other characters in the movie. Um, That's but, fair. I mean, yeah, I mean. Like like you said, and I agree with you, it's not a bad movie. It is overshadowed because you have so many good stories and iconic stories that kind of, you know. And and the thing is with this movie that it's it's a cool stylist choice, but it is a slow burn. It does start up slow, and it doesn't really get interesting until they are trapped in the car. I mean, that's why, you know, that's what I think most of us all remember is that section and everything else was kind of like, you know, not important. No, and, I agree. And, and like I said, when, when you get into the, the dog, the car and that, that was the exciting and fun part of the movie. Everything else was kind of like, yeah. 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 So this kind of falls in that area where, as you mentioned, James, this was released 83, made 82. The Shining apparently happened, you know, in 80. And so what was right after this? Pet Cemetery? Creepshow. Creep. No, no, Creepshow was 82, I think. You mean movie-wise yeah. or football? Oh, right after, right after Cujo, my bad. Yeah, like Cujo. What came right after the uh, film-wise for King? The Dead was, Zone. Dead the Zone. Dead Zone's next and, up. Yeah. And that's another great one, too. So you got Crystal Walken do it. It's it's the ice will break. (laughs) That whole that whole that whole film's fucking stacked. I can't wait to do that. Oh, love that movie. That's next up. Hey, you guys know that in 1985 they made a video game for the Mist. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that neither. There was never a video game for that film. Yeah, way before the movie. Way before the movie. Way before the film. Yes, obviously. I wonder if that has the same ending. Oh, nice. Charlie, yeah, uh, we thought he had a bunch of involvement with the video games getting done. Yeah. What was it? Uh Halloween and TCM for Atari? Evil yeah. Dead. I think he was the Evil Dead <laughs> too, yeah. Yeah. There was an Evil Dead. I don't dead know why game. he doesn't have money. I don't know why Charlie's broke. He had his fucking hand in a lot of big shit. Maybe that's why. Bad investments. Well, if you like what you're doing, yeah, you will. Sometimes you'll spend money that you shouldn't to make it better. He, in the sense he, of, he like liked video games, so he would invest money into making these video games. And if it didn't come fully back to him, you know, that's how you become broke. I feel, I feel like Charlie Band made some choices in the '90s that uh, have had repercussions on him from since the, until today. He made some friends. Yeah, we're still recording. He made some friends in the nineties that were still haunting him in the mob. Uh, why you have something else you want to say about it? Before uh, stop recording and I'll tell you a story about, uh, I'll think the audience is going to hate us now because you just gave that big teaser. Yeah. Well, if that's, you don't want to tell the audience, I'll, I'll shut down the show. And with that being said, I thank everybody for being a part of the show. This is another fun I show. Will. This show was more entertaining than the film was, which was great. <laughs> That's what we aimed for. Conversation so, uh, was definitely more entertaining. 
No, no, no. That's what we're going for. This I did enjoy this company very much. I mean, yeah. two-thirds of the movie, we didn't have much to talk about. That says something. <laughs> we talked about our childhood trauma of being bitten by dogs for 45 minutes. That's that's what type of movie this was, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. All right. Well, we, I thank everybody for listening and being involved, and we'll catch you all on the next episode where we go into the dead zone. Woo! Oh, yeah. We'll catch y'all then. Bye. I'm thinking for us. I'm not.